And welcome back to another episode of the Media Boat Podcast, your weekly episode and feed for movies, TV, music, and video games, not necessarily in that order. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. Thank you for joining us on this fine July afternoon. It is the 18th of July, 2023. This is episode, did we do it? 893, right? Yes. 893. Thank you for joining us. And yeah, like he said, we've got lots to talk about, about all of those things that you mentioned, Um, including, uh, yeah, some juicy stuff about strikes and um, Jason Aldean. Oh, yeah, we have a lot, a lot to go into. I know, like, we ended last episode on... The uh, it's, uh, 392. 392. Yeah. So we did last episode like on the heels of a actor strike with Wednesday approaching. But we'll get to that because we don't start with TV movies. No, no. We'll get there because uh, we always start with the music section. We start yes. the music section with the billboard and start the billboard with the Hot 100. And your number one song in the land is... Last Night by Morgan Wallen. Yeah. Doing that too. Fast Car by Luke Combs. Chopped out. We have Vampire by Olivia Rodrigo. Coming in at four. Calm Down by Rima and Selena Gomez. And rounding out your top five. I Can See You. Taylor's version. From the Vault by Taylor Swift. (laughs) All right, now that we have the technical issues out of the way, sorry about that. It's because it's because I touched the mic. Never touch the hot mic. Never touch it. Don't do it. Uh, but yeah, uh, most notable things about this or uh, about this Hot 100, we'll actually talk about in the first news story. <clears throat> so, uh, but otherwise, yeah, this is uh, like you said, country's back at the top. You see, uh, last night moving back up to number one, and Fast Car edging up closer to number one at number two. It had been kind of stuck in number three uh, purgatory in the middle of the top five there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then I can see you, a vault track from Speak Now, uh, making it into the top five. Like I said, we'll talk about that more in a moment. Yes, but we have to talk about the Billboard 200, your album chart, where it's a Taylor sandwich. Yes. And we start with mm. Speak Now, Taylor's version by Taylor Swift at your number one spot. Mm-hmm. As we called, because they debut taylor's version yeah. everyone listen to it kind of has uh, to. if you want to hear our thoughts on it you can listen to last week's episode yep at number two one thing at a time by morgan wallen coming in at three pink tape by lil uzi vert at four genesis by peso pluma and rounding out your top five and completing the taylor sandwich <laughs> midnights by taylor swift if Taylor Swift was a sandwich, what kind of sandwich would she be? A mayonnaise-inspired um, beef brisket sandwich. A little bit of country, a little bit of pop. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'm not sure where the pop is coming from. I'll meet you. It's the uh, mayonnaise and like Dijon. What I'll say is, no, how about this? How about this? The brisket, keep the brisket. It's a panini and it's an aioli. So that, but with a little bit of spice, so that way okay. you get that pop. Well, you know? isn't aioli just mayonnaise? Uh, it's fancy mayonnaise. <laughs> fancy it mayonnaise. up a little bit. 
mayonnaise. mayonnaise mayonnaise fancy mayonnaise anyways there you go taylor sandwich we invented it here <laughs> it's a hot press <laughs> and speaking of things hot off the presses we have new releases uh starting with outside problems by andrew bird i wouldn't know anything about outside problems no we're inside yes we are inside <laughs> uh next up is the ballad of darren by blur yes that, that blur. blur from famous of song number two yeah song two woohoo woohoo uh we also have Starcatcher by greta van fleet welsh pool frillies by guided by voices <laughs> all who can't hear must feel by jabuki Young White. Uh, there's also 1988 by Laurie McKenna. That's a prequel. 1989. <laughs> Damn it. Same joke. Anyways. Uh, there's also Find a Way Home by Mixpix. I believe it's MXPX. Mixpix. Mixpix, sure. MXPX. Make it sound like a... You make it sound like it's an art program for kids for the Mac. Mix picks. <laughs> or, or it's more like a beatbox. Mix picks, mix picks, mix picks, mix picks. Uh, there's also Mountains by Niels Lofgren. And lastly, Love's Holiday by Oxbow. Yep. All right. As you alluded to and kind of wanted to talk about, Taylor Swift in the news because she is once again setting more records. It's what she does. Yep. Taylor Swift commands the Hot 100 with all 22 songs from her latest album, Speak Now, Taylor's version, occupying spots on the singles chart. Impressively, this means three singles from three different Taylor Swift albums are in the top 10 this week. The others being I Can See You, Taylor's version, From the Vault, a new release from Speak Now uh, leads the pack at number five, as we mentioned, uh, which joins Cruel Summer uh, from Lover mm-hmm. at number nine and Karma from Midnight's at number 10. <laughs> so, yeah, when you think about it, it's kind of absurd. Like, Lover came out in 2019. <laughs> so, like, the span of time here is kind of wild. Well, it is a cruel summer for most people. <laughs> yeah the heat waves i mean we're not a weather podcast but <laughs> we don't need to tell you probably where you are it is very hot unless you're like an australian listener and it's like winter or something but uh hey if oh, you're an australian goodness. winter uh, if you're an australian winter if you're an australian listener hey email us say hi hey huh. uh but taylor swift is setting some high benchmarks with the release of speak now yep. taylor's version album so we talked about the singles. Let's talk about albums. Yes, because not only did it debut at number one with the biggest numbers of the year so far for any release, but it is one of four albums she now has in the top 10 of the albums chart. According to Billboard, that's the first time a woman has done that in the entire six-decade history of there being in the albums chart. And she's one of three artists to ever accomplish said feat. It's pretty wild, but uh, good for Taylor. I mean, no one's surprised here, really. I mean, we did mention that it was a Taylor sandwich in the 
uh top the top 200 so in the next five you got two other tr albums in there yeah so i mean yeah so can you can you guess which which four it is we already have three of them uh you mean speak now so lover well actually is uh, it lover i i would bet it's probably speak now taylor's version uh midnight's Nights. uh red taylor's version and fearless taylor's version if i had to oh. guess those being oh, the four most it? recent releases you didn't look it up no i didn't it's my uh, guess that's your guess uh because it is taylor's version and people are just running taylor's version in their um in their feeds well also they're the most recent releases so like i think that if if lover and uh lover folk folklore and evermore are there they're further down okay i'm guessing anyways anyways <laughs> um you mentioned jason aldean a little bit there unfortunately yes <laughs> well cmt has confirmed that after initially airing Jason Aldean's highly controversial music video for Try That in a Small Town, the network pulled the contentious clip from the air on Monday, even before the furor over the tune grew uh, even greater on Tuesday. A CMT spokesperson had no further comment on the video being yanked. Reps for Aldean's label, BBR Music Group, did not immediately respond to a request for comment. It was in fact it was Billboard who was first to report the video being removed by the network. Meanwhile, Aldine took to his social media on Tuesday afternoon to defend the song from its many critics, taking a much softer tone in his messaging than he does in the hostile single itself. Or a video uh, that projects images of demon demonstrators onto a courthouse that was the site of a famous lynching. All right. So let's back up a moment here because um, there's actually, uh, I have like, I have questions. So you're more into the, the, the country scene than I am. Were you aware of Try That in a Small Town uh, prior to today? I was aware of the song, not of the mm -hmm. music right. video. I meant the song in general. Yes. So when, when did he put this single out? Uh, Earlier this year. Really? Yeah. Was it on his last record? I want to say it was. Because I had not heard of it existing until this morning. Uh, Christy saw some talk on um, Twitter about it, and she read me some of the lyrics. <laughs> and um, I was baffled by it. And so, yeah, when I saw this, I was like, okay, so this is not just us. This is a recent thing. But I figured maybe you might have more insight on the single um it seems recent this recent oh, i'm thinking of a different song take uh put that in a country song i don't you might be thinking of a different song try so, that in a small town i don't know small towns in music in country uh, songs well, is very yeah uh, common but um you might want to look at the uh, it is yeah because uh, is the album itself is uh Try that in a small town. Okay, well, this is a new song. So maybe it was the video hitting uh, was did, was the catalyst for the, the for people to pick up on what's going on. Uh, but somehow this made made an impact this week. Um, 
I understand that a lot of country music comes from this perspective, and I understand Jason Aldean is a guy who has been, I don't know, on a certain side of the argument. Uh, I mean, you can look back at when we talked about his, um, was it him and his wife who had the Twitter argument with, um, oh, who was that? Uh, let's see here. Um, this was earlier this year in May. Yeah. Uh, the song came out in May earlier this okay. year. Okay. Okay. So not that long ago. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, Jason Aldean has kind of established himself now as kind of the, like the 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 a conservative uh, spokesperson. It seems um, in country music, so it shouldn't be super surprising. However, if you look at the lyrics of this song, um, I'm just gonna say this sounds like a threat. This sounds like a threat, Jason Aldean. Uh, are you threatening people, Jason Aldean? <laughs> I don't love it. I don't love the perspective. Anyway, so it's not surprising to me at all that a video for the song also has like some pretty loaded imagery. Um, good on CMT for pulling it, uh, but I'm just hoping they're doing it for the right reasons. Uh, regardless, yeah, it's just it's disappointing to see something like this still, you know, in 2023. Like, it just feels very gatekeepy and very like. Hostile. Hostile is the right word. I think that, that it's the word that the billboard story uses as well. Are you, are you referring to the the line, got a gun my granddad gave me. They say one day they're going to round up. <laughs> it's like, what the, what are you talking about? No one is rounding up your gun, Jason Helty. <laughs> That's not going to happen. It's just, it, it like reiterates talking points that are just not true. That, we, that have not been true ever. And it's just, it creates just such a, like the same old picture of like a conservative gun culture that we've just heard repeated over and over and over and over again. And it's like, it just, it, it reminds me so much of having every conversation I've had in my life, which is like somebody being like, oh, well, I don't go to the city because like, I'm just uncomfortable there or something like that. Like, oh, I would never, you never see me in Los Angeles. Like, it's too dangerous. It's like, it's like, all right, we've just had these conversations so many times. I don't know. I mean, I, in a way, though, I do feel vindicated a bit because I've never liked Jason Elsie. <laughs> so at least I feel okay with that. All right. It looks like you've been doing some research. What have you been doing? Oh, I'm just reading up on the uh, genius. Dot, uh, genius.com oh, uh, the annotations I annotations fascinating yes, yes. <laughs> all right what are you what are your thoughts about about this uh it sounds like he i mean it's very conservative of Damn. looking for a fight or wanting to pick a fight saying don't don't uh just the libertarian motto don't tread <laughs> on me <laughs> yeah i don't know it's so also the who who is they that you think is treading on you? Right. It's, and if you think it's the government, why are you shooting it in front of a your music video in front of a courthouse, <laughs> which is literally the government? <laughs> so yeah, I have not watched the video. I was planning on it, but um, I had a, a sandwich where I had a, a different uh, a call. A Taylor then, sandwich. Yeah. Yes, I had my Taylor sandwich. I was eating it. No, and then I had to do some work, so I didn't actually have the time. I was going to try to watch the video before we recorded. Um, but yeah, from what I've heard described, it's a doozy. So yeah, again, good on CMT, I guess, for pulling it. But if this thing has been in the ether for a while now, I guess it's already too late. 
I'm just wouldn't be surprised if this somehow rockets into the top five by all those Morgan Wallen fans who want to prove something. You Wait, know? We, we, this can get Morgan Wallen out of the top five? No, no, no. I mean, it would coexist <laughs> with it. They would like, you know, they would make a playlist that's just Morgan Wallen last night, then uh, try this in a small town, just like back and then to back fast to back car. To back. And fast and car, car and it's all yeah. three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's see here. Okay, so from Genius, one of the lines um, from Genius or annotation reads, uh-huh. here, Aldine may refer to the Good Old Boys Roundup, a whites-only law enforcement held annually in southern Tennessee, not far from the courthouse lynching site where the promotional video was shot. Oh, no, it's worse than I thought. Oh, it was very worse than you thought. Okay, we need to move on. Anyway, did you listen to anything? No. <laughs> no, I did not. I listened to more uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Well, Metro Boomin is happy with that, I'm sure. I'm sure he is. And, and if, he keeps telling me into his ears, into my yes. ears, Metro! Yeah, you, and I'm sure as he's reminded you many times, if Metro don't like you, well, you know the rest. All right, <laughs> let's move on. Yes, let's go to video games then, huh? It's a little bit of pick me up because we yes. got a big release this week. Yes, yes, we do. Yes, uh, but we're going to start with Mad- Might and Magic: colon, Clash of Heroes, Definitive Edition for the PS4, Switch, and PC. Uh, there's also Nobunaga's Ambition: colon, Awakening. Hey, I thought you usually keep the big releases until the end of the list. For the PS4, Switch, and PC. <laughs> no, uh, Nobunaga's Ambition is a long-standing uh, Japanese <laughs> uh, history, Japanese history-themed strategy game. <laughs> I never played one. Well, you can begin here with Awakening. Sure. Uh, there's also Viewfinder for the PS5 and PC. Uh, this is the puzzle game, much like... Uh, right. What's it? Is, that, is it Stanley's Parable? No, it's kind of like Stanley Parable. It's it's a first person yes. thing, but you're using pictures. Yes, it's the yeah. first perspective. In, yeah, in you, pictures. It's like yeah, you and yeah, yeah, you it's input a picture describe. into the landscape, and then yeah. you can move around into it and through it across puzzles. Yeah, look up a trailer. It's pretty cool. Uh, of it concept. Is. Yeah, I kind of wish this was on PS Extra, <laughs> as a as a game. God but. forbid you spend money on it. I know, God forbid, I spend the $30 for it. Yeah, God forbid. <laughs> uh, that's because your wide release is Oaken for everything. Yeah. If you got it, you can play it. Oaken. Oaken. And then there's just this uh, small game on the Switch coming out called Pikmin 4. Yes, the fourth Pikmin is finally here. Um, yes, Night Pikmin are here. Night Pikmin, working on my Night Pikmin. Night Pikmin. Pikmin. Uh, but yeah, so if you've always wanted to play a Pikmin game um, where you can be at night, this is your opportunity. So there you go. All right. Uh, but while that might be the big release, it was not the big news because yes, it yes. happened. We're still here. We're still, We're still here, here after last week. Yes. Microsoft and Activision Blizzard King are reportedly negotiating an extension to their existing merger agreement, which expires today. Right. If they were going, yeah, if they were going to merge on time, it would have happened today. And so thus, it did not. So what did happen? 
So after the July 18th deadline, today, as of this recording, both companies have the right to walk away from the $69 billion deal. Nice. Although Microsoft will have to pay Activision a $3 billion termination fee if it falls through. A Reuters source claimed Microsoft has been pushing for a contract extension to ward off potential interest in Activision from other suitors, <laughs> Sony, uh, and to ensure the Call of Duty maker doesn't have a change of heart before the deal can be completed. Um, men, um, go ahead. Reuters. Reuters. <laughs> Sorry, I imagine, I imagine immediately imagine a tree themed Hooters equivalent. Rooters, <laughs> Rooters, or like Ro Roto Rooters, <laughs> Reuters, Rooters. Anyways, anyways, amending the contract opens the possibility of changes to be to the financial terms of the deal, which Activision could seek to exploit. Microsoft was recently cleared uh, to acquire Activision in the U.S. after winning a court battle with the antitrust regulator, the FTC, uh, which we talked about last week. However, the company has yet to seal the approval of the U.K.'s uh, Competition and Markets Authority, the CMAs, which remains the last major roadblock to the deal closing. So last week, the CMA extended the deadline for its final decision on the deal from today, July 18th, until August 29th, so that it could consider a fresh proposal from Microsoft. So, so one, this answers your question from last week about the CMA. So what they did was they just extended as well. They were basically mm -hmm. like, okay, we'll wait. See what the FTC does, and then we'll extend our deal. Um, so that way we'll be ready no matter what they decide. Ended up being the right call because now Activision and Microsoft also have extended their talks so that way they can meet the CMA requirement. So no, it does not mean so no longer this week is no longer the week where it happens. Like we're shoving mm -hmm. that off of, to the future. Now they go back to the table, they renegotiate it, and they decide whether they or Activision will still accept the 69 original 69 billion offer if Activision wants to barter for more and then once everything's tied up into a tight little package that both parties agree on then they go back to the CMA and basically say hey okay so this is our new deal what do you guys think of now and if they want to have a problem again then we're in this for any like at least until the 29th but if they say cool that solved that answered all our questions and now we're good this, that that's when this happens. Or <laughs> Activision Blizzard could walk away from the deal and thank Microsoft for their $3 billion termination fee. Right. That could happen. I'm going to say no. I'm going to rule that one out. And the reason why I rule that one out is because they, they're too deep into this. At this point, it has to happen. Um, I, if I could gain an easy $3 billion for my company just by walking away from a deal. It's not, it, it doesn't, they have problems that they need to solve. And $3 billion dollars can solve a lot of problems. Not the problems that they have. 
Activision Blizzard has a hearts and minds problem and they have a company toxicity problem. Those are things that money can't solve right away. So they oh, need... can buy a lot of golden parachutes. <laughs> yeah, but Bobby Kotick said he's staying no matter what. Like if if the deal doesn't go through, the only per po possible way he does get his golden parachute and leaves is if the deal does go through. Then he's bailing. So it's such there's so little weird little bits and pieces here, but I'm gonna say how I think that this is gonna roll is that they're they're gonna make a new deal. Like they'll come to the CMA. I'm pretty sure at this point the CMA is just like, all right, fine. Then it happens. It's just it's not happening right away. We'll see. I mean, there's really nothing for us to do but wait. Uh, question is, how long do they wait? Because if the CMA yeah. is get the deadline until August 29th, you're talking right. about a whole nother, was this six, four, yeah. five, six weeks? Six weeks. Yeah. So, yeah, waiting. another month, um, but it'll definitely happen by then. So, we will see. All right. Well, let's go from there to. Blast from the past, shall we? <laughs> yeah. With Gex. Also, uh, if you're on here and you're listening to us and you remember what Gex is before I start explaining it, <laughs> please drop us a line at mediablepodcast.gmail.com. <laughs> you ever play? Do you ever play just put in the subject line Gex, Gex? with like yeah. three exclamation points. Gex. Uh, did you ever play a Gex game? Uh, yes, I played Gex too. I also played only Gex 2. <laughs> All right. So we're on the same we're on the same wavelength here. Uh Spy Lizard is spying. Uh so <laughs> a limited run game. So wait, no. The company, yes, limited run games, has announced Gex Trilogy for mm -hmm. modern consoles and PC. Being developed by Crystal Dynamics, the platform game series starring an anthropomorphic Gecko called Gex, comprised of three releases 1995's Gex, 1998's Gex Enter the Gecko, and 1999's Gex 3 Deep Cover Gecko. The games are being brought to Nintendo Switch, PS4, PS5, and Xbox Series X and S, as well as Steam, because why not? Uh, using Limited Run Games' Carbon Engine, a development tool that helps create emulation-based ports of classic games for modern hardware. So yeah, the return <laughs> of Gex. So there's some questions about bringing Gex back that we should address here. Number one question is, okay, so are they doing anything with, these, with this re-release? And my, I hesitate to say yes. Reason why I say that is because the wording in this PR like blast mm -hmm. is that they're just using the Carbon Engine to re-release these games. That sounds to me that this is going to be an up-res, maybe just a cleanup. This is not going to be a complete remaster of the Gex trilogy. Second thing is, um, is you can't have Gex without the voice of Dana Gold. Is Dana Gold coming back? And that remains unknown. Although some Twitter sleuth did notice Dana Gold did retweet this announcement. Hmm. Makes you think. So, but the, even though he did, though, is would he re-record all of his dialogue? The, or would they use the awful 
old, like awful quality old clips that were used in the original PlayStation, Saturn, and Nintendo 64 releases. I guess we'll find out. I could see him taking the payday of, yeah, I'll sure, I'll record those lines. Yeah. Like also being them saying, we'll give you $5,000. Yeah. And we'll just use what we have and kind of clean it up with uh, AI, AR distortion. Yeah, who knows? I don't, maybe, but like, the third thing is, it's like, I haven't played those games in a while. I wonder if all of those jokes hold up. <laughs> I don't even remember. So I had the uh, displeasure of playing the Nintendo 64 version of Enter the Gecko, which apparently had significantly fewer voice clips than the PlayStation version instead. So there's probably jokes from that game that I've never heard. <laughs> so it wasn't just him talking about, I don't even remember the jokes at this point, but like, just talking about the same old creaky references over and over and over again. Like, they're going to be extra creaky now. Like, if you thought him referencing something from the 70s was old hat in 1998, like, I can't imagine what it sounds like now. <laughs> well, even the title, Enter the Gecko, is right. a really old reference of Enter the Dragon. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the games were already an artifact of its time. I mean, you were collecting remote controls, and all of the levels were based on television shows mm -hmm. no one's gonna get it like who's this for us i guess retro archive gaming speedrunners speedrunners is there a gex speedrunning community i bet there is there's always a speedrunning community anyways well that's enough about gex but yeah it's just weird to see gex come back i've it never is. actually played gex one or three though so that would be interesting gex one is like a side-scrolling platformer which yeah. is extra weird. That yeah. is weird. Yeah, they, they went 3D for two. Hmm. So we'll see, I guess. We'll see. Um, did you play anything, though? Um, I finished the Diablo 4 campaign. Whoa. Finally. Like, officially for one character? Yes, for one character. And the cool thing is, is that meant you get to skip the campaign for all other future characters. So I don't have to do those things again. Oh my god, it was a slog. It was fun, but it was a slog, and I'm happy to be over it. So now I get now my goal is before the um the season one stuff on um uh Thursday, um I'm supposed to I need to find all the uh, the waypoints. I need to activate all the waypoints and basically have all the map completed so that way I can all the fast travel between, map, yeah. Yeah, so I can bounce between things in the new season. So that is my goal tonight. Hey, so uh, I am officially toward in the last boss fight, I think, or one of the last boss fights for Final Fantasy 16. Okay. Um, after I when it finish it, like I paused like right before entering it because time is yeah. like 11 o'clock. I was like, okay, I don't, don't want to do another hour boss fight. I'm here. done, I'm done, I'm I done. Can't. Uh, so I got that, and then I'll get the last icon available for my power-ups, and then just cruise right into the final game mode cool. for entering into uh, New Game Plus. Nice. Such a good game. I'm having yeah. a lot of fun with it. The story is both insane and also deep and just ever so connecting. Okay. It's great. Glad you're live in it. Oh, I think we might know uh, each other's front runners for game of the year right now. I think we have maybe an inkling of what those will be. Yeah. Yeah. Until Spider-Man comes. 
Until Spider-Man comes. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Or WarioWare. Yes. Oh, but uh, so today, uh, PS Extra released its new games. If you're subscribed to PS Extra, one of them being uh, 2021's Game of the Year, It Takes Two. Oh, no. So, if you've never played It Takes Two, it's available. No. 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 I'd rather go to actual couples therapy. Thank you very much. <laughs> anyway. Let's move on. All right. Into... I think like bass fishing is now available to Ooh, Oh no, that's it. Uh, Fast and the Furious game. Oh no, no. Don't play that. It's terrible. The Fast and the Furious recharged yeah, or whatever? I heard it's so bad. Don't even do it. No, don't, don't warning. experience just don't experience the torture. If you come back next week and you say you've played this Fast and Furious game, I will be so disappointed in you. You could have been <laughs> spending that time doing so many other things. Like playing It Takes Two. Oh, God. How about either <laughs> of Lesser of games? two evils. Come on. I don't know, man. Like, I don't I don't think It Takes Two is a good game, but I think that the Fast and Furious game actually might eat partial <laughs> like pieces of your soul. Um, so I would avoid that one first. <laughs> All right, let's move on into the second half of the show where we talk about television. And we always start the television section with the sports corner. <laughs> this week in sports, uh, unfortunately for Aaron Rodgers, the New York Jets have been selected for the next series of hard knocks. Well, also, the Jets didn't want it either. No. Apparently, they told the NFL that they didn't want it, so they're giving HBO... Very, very extremely limited access. And you thought they had already cut off a bunch of access for Hard Knocks. Just imagine what this season is going to look like. (laughs) So, yeah, that'll be fun. No, no, it won't be. Well, I don't know. The NFL is basically forcing them to do this, but they're doing it on the, we're going to abide by the minimum guidelines required to do this. Yeah. So uh, expect a lot of montages. But if you're not Aaron Rodgers and you're new to the league, well, the good news is is that NFL training camp has begun for the rookies. Yep. Eight teams reported today. The rest reporting within the next two weeks. Yeah. Uh, training camp begins. Yeah. Uh, so. For some teams, training camp is available and open to the public. So check your local professional football team to see if they are training near you and i say training near you because the cowboys most famously do not train in the heat of texas and instead go up to uh i think it's oxnard in california to train hey i would too if i was them if you were jerry joe's and you had the option of where you want your team to train yeah Yeah. i would choose california coast as well not 120 degree weather no thank you (laughs) um next up the different kind of football, the soccer kind of football, FIFA, the Women's World Cup is back uh, and will begin Thursday in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, yep, it begins Thursday. That's when kickoff happens. U.S. Women's National Team's first game will be on Friday. So, yep, so. good luck to them. Yeah. US just won the ESPY, so <laughs> we'll be watching. Yeah, the world will be watching that American women's team because they're always great. And, they're always uh, great. 
Excited to see them win again. Fingers crossed. Next up, as most people following baseball know, the trade deadline is coming up for the MLB on August 1st. So right now... It's your two-week warning. Yes, this is your two-week warning. So we already have rumors swirling like a hurricane all over the place about all sorts of different names, mostly Shohei Otani, but all sorts of other names too. Um, So will they or won't they is kind of the burning question. All right, two weeks out. What's your call? Do they trade Shohei Otani? Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Coming in spicy. Especially since um, they lost to Houston and they barely squeaked by the Yankees, who themselves are on a downturn right now. Yeah. So these next, like these two games coming out of the All-Star break between Houston and uh, New York were kind of pivotal moments, especially when you had Shohei pitching this past Friday Mm -hmm. and they lost. And the only way they won was dramatic fashion overtime. Yeah, I'm kind of glad that there are two more weeks because I feel like, and I hate to do this because I feel like the Angels have had so many of these uh, series in this season, which is, I want to so badly just say, oh, well, those games were so close, they were really just flukes. But how many flukes have to add up before you realize that there's a pattern? And welcome we have, to being an Angels fan yeah, for the past a, seven years. Yeah, I know. We just have such a pattern of flukes now. These it's one, not a fluke when you have a two-run lead and you know somehow they're going to blow it. These two one-run leads just, yeah, just disappear, fall through our fingers. And before you know it, we lose by one run. And it's just, it's yeah, it's frustrating. And so, yeah, I, I don't blame you. And I think that, yeah, I probably will agree with you here. Um, I do think that is probably ultimately in the team's best interest to trade him and get two like all-star level talents from another team because that is what Shohei Otani is worth he is worth a starting pitcher and a position player like period like there's Mm -hmm. no way you can get anything less right like no no he's worth both of those things and so who, who, who does it? What do you think? Then the follow-up question, what team shells it out? Well, what team goes all in and says, we'll pay you for this year, mm-hmm. the remainder of this season, and just allows him to be a free agent at the end of the year. Just say, right. we'll buy out your current contract for this year so you can be on a championship team like the Dodgers mm-hmm. or the Astros. <laughs> Oh, oh. Don't say it. Don't say it. Yankees. And be on a championship <laughs> team. Yeah. Um, but then give them the opportunity to be a free agency after the year ends. Yeah, I've always I, that that might be yeah. more of what he might do. Yeah. That but that's also the clause of the Angels have to accept a deal for them to do that. So yeah. The funniest thing in the world would be is if the Dodgers make the deal, he's a Dodger for the rest of the season, he becomes a free agent, and then the Angels get him back. Yep. That would be funny. The Angels take the Dodgers' money and players and then use it to buy Otani <laughs> right back. Oh, yeah, and by the way, I didn't mention this, but 
the funniest, the extra funny part would be the Dodgers don't somehow do, like don't make the World Series either. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be pretty funny. It's uh, just the, that'd it's be just brutal. The, yeah, and it's just the Braves, and it's the it's the Braves and the Astros again. That would be funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, who am I kidding? It's gonna be the Rangers. Oh no! Don't put that voodoo out there. I, I don't know. Braves, Braves, Rangers seems possible. Just saying, seems possible. All right, seems All possible. Right. All right. So that's enough baseball talk. Uh, but yeah, once we get closer to the trade deadline, and after, of course, we have plenty to talk about in that department. Moving on in the world of sports, it's WNBA All Star Weekend in Las Vegas. Um, yep. So that was this past weekend. Team Brianna Stewart dominated with a 143 point performance Damn. to 127 to Team Wilson. But that was not the highlight of this weekend because that was Brianna Ionescu. Oh, uh, yeah. With the three point contest and dominating three point contest. Nice. Um, hitting, what was it, like 28 out of 30 shots Damn. with a 20 shot run in a row of three pointers. It's impressive. It's very impressive. Uh, there's a reason she was the top pick. Yeah. There's a reason she was the top uh, college athlete. Uh, but yeah, just showcasing, as you do, in a skills competition of just knocking down three after three after three like a machine and not breaking a sweat. Congratulations. Look out for that name to just start dominating your news feeds, start dominating the talk. Brianna Ioniscu. Cool. Awesome. Gotta show off those skills. But that wasn't the only newcomer to dominate. No. Tell me about Wimbledon. So, we talk a lot about the Joker, Novak Djokovic, and how dominant he's been. Grand Slams, he's recently hit his 23rd Grand Slam, uh, making him the most uh, decorated tennis player ever. Only for him to come to Wimbledon and lose. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a reason he was ranked number two going into Wimbledon this year. That's because there is indeed a newcomer on the scene at the number one slot named Carlos Alcaraz. Uh If you want to know how new he is, I'd say you could buy him a beer, but you literally can't. Oh, no. He's a 20-year-old phenom, and this is his first major win. Carlos Alcaraz ranked number one in the world going into the, to the tournament and beat Novak Djokovic. Okay. Well. So if you're going to beat the best and proving you're the number one ranking here, no better stage to do it than Wimbledon itself. Also no other place to uh, make your name in the women's Wimbledon as unranked player Marquetta Vondrosova beat number six ranked player Ons Jabour. Wow, okay. So how does that even work? How does that happen? If somebody uh, completely unranked. Uh well it's they play in the open before uh-huh. it to qualify. Oh, okay. So yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're just not ranked in the world tennis bracket. An unknown. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, but yeah, you have I mean essentially two unknowns to the world. Being your Wimbledon champions for 2023. That's awesome. Yeah. 
So there you go. Some fresh blood in the tennis world. Tennis is on a shift. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. You love it. You love to see it. Love to All see right. it. Anything in sports before we, else in sports, I mean, before we move on? Uh, Summer League is still happening. Uh, fantasy football's right around the corner. Uh, and we are two and a half weeks away from the uh, NFL Hall of Fame game. Other than that, um, NASCAR will start up again because summer break. You don't race in hot heat. <laughs> no, you don't. That's not a good idea for anyone involved. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it then for the sports corner. Let's move on into some television news. And boy, howdy, was there some television news this Ooh, week. This is the highs of highs and the lows of lows. So the Emmy nominations uh, came out this week. And yes. With the uh, background of the industry right now being strikes, which we'll talk about a little bit more in the next story, it was a little weird. The tone of the nominations was a little weird. However, the Emmys are still the Emmys. We're still going to do it. <laughs> the presentation might be a little different than usual this year, but it's happening, and we have nominations. HBO is still on top, is your big, big, big nomination leader with the final season of Succession, with 27 nods, the freshman season of The Last of Us, with 24 nods, and the return of The White Lotus, with 23. Meanwhile, uh, which moved out of the limited series into the drama category. Right. So, meanwhile, over in comedy, HBO is not the leader there, as you have Apple TV Plus's Ted Lasso returning, with a new high of 21 nominations. Just one shy of the record in that category set by 30 Rock back in 2009. In the drama race, besides the shows we mentioned, uh, we also see Andor, Better Call Saul, The Crown, House of the Dragon, uh, uh, and Yellow Jackets are alongside Succession and The White Lotus. The comedy category includes Abbott Elementary, Barry, The Bear, which I didn't realize was a comedy until Apparently. these nominations came out. Yeah, this is a comedy. <laughs> Jury Duty, which I feel like we're all figuring out existed this week. That's and the freebie show. I know, right? The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Only Murders in the Building, Ted Lasso, and Wednesday? Which apparently is a comedy. I feel a like that's the... Dark comedy? <laughs> that's the Netflix has to be here in some sort, in some form entry in that category. And that's all they had this year. The limited series category includes Beef, Dahmer, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, Daisy Jones and the Six, Fleischman is in Trouble, and Obi-Wan Kenobi for some reason. The 75th Primetime Emmy Awards will be held September 18th at the Microsoft Theater in Los Angeles. Now, is that going to still be the Microsoft Theater? Because I thought they were rebranding that whole business Peacock stuff. Or is that just uh, um, LA Live? Is that just LA Live? Is that what you're thinking of? That's just yeah. LA Live is going to be rebranded? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I haven't heard anything about Microsoft Theater specifically. Okay. I didn't know if it changed. was a blanket Microsoft deal just expired or something. Oh. Uh, other notes um, in these nominations is the Best Supporting Actor in a Drama Series, where it is literally White Lotus versus Succession. Yes. As all eight nominations come from either of those two shows. Yeah. 
So no matter what happens, um, your big winners will be in Succession or White Lotus. But HBO, much. essentially, yeah. Yeah, but um, honestly, though, I could, I, I'm not sure about this year's slate. I think drama, you might see a Last of Us upset in some of the ones that ex- Succession is expected to win. Mm-hmm. It's fresh. It's new. I think it made a cultural impact when it was out. And I think a lot of Emmy voters will remember this probably more so than what ended up happening to succession um on the comedy side i really really hope that ted lasso's reign is over because i'm sure that we weren't the only ones disappointed by that final season i'm shocked by the amount of nominations here uh but then again um they like to vote for things they remember and they remember ted lasso yeah Um, i mean that's why i'm I think it's really between Abbott Elementary and The Bear. This yeah, year. The Bear is very easy to get behind because, again, it's fresh. It's 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 recent. FX is mm-hmm. um, has had a little bit of a break from being Emmy favorites. I think their last big Emmy streak was all those wins for Fargo, um, and yeah. so it's been a while uh, for them. Don't forget, this is The Bear season one, not the season right. that just aired. Yeah, I know. Um, so yeah, so like it's got some some future too to it, mm-hmm. uh, which is nice. I would love for my personal favorite in the category, Abbott Elementary, to take it, but I just feel like if they're gonna do it, it's probably the bear. If it's not just Ted Lasso again, um, limited series, I'm a little more confused by. I don't think anything really strikes sticks out. I'm just gonna go with maybe it's a maybe it's between Beef and Fleischman is in trouble. Uh, Flashman is in trouble is the FX show, so right. you can watch that on FX and they Hulu. They do traditionally do well in the limited series uh, category, thanks to the American Horror Story and Crime yes. Story uh, series. So maybe, uh, but don't be surprised if Dahmer, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, uh, creating that into the anthology that is Monster, gross, because that's what they want to do because they can't make a season two out of it. <laughs> hope not. Hope not. Um, acting wise, um, I could see another win for Jennifer Coolidge here. I could mm-hmm. see uh, Pedro Pascal for The Last of Us. I think that's a that's a slam dunk. Yep. Um, um, I mean that's that is unless uh, what's his name? Where's, where's my lead actors here? Um, well, this is actor in a category company. <laughs> I'll get there. You'll get there. Um, yeah, I could, I could see, um, I'm hoping for a little bit of a mix this, this year, instead of just the same people winning, but, um, you can only hope. Oh, Brian Cox. That's what I'm thinking of. Brian Cox. Yeah. It's possible. He he was the leader of succession before being, um, (laughs) spoiler, 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 spoilered by Jeremy Strong. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Yes. Spoiler, 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 spoiler. All right, let's stop spoiling Succession. Let's move on. So those are the Emmys. But of yes. course, like I said, there is a cloud around Hollywood at the moment because... Yes, because when they did the nominations, they did not announce the writers. <laughs> well, that's because the writers are on strike. And we knew that. Um, but it's also notable that we also knew that there was another shoe about to drop involving the actors. And sure enough, that shoe dropped mere hours after we finished recording last week's podcast. Yes, the actors are on strike. SAG-AFTRA called the history-making strike last week 
Um, the AMPTP, which bargains on behalf of major studios, said it presented a deal that offered historic pay and residual, residual increases, substantially higher caps on pension and health contributions, audition protections, shortened series option periods, and a groundbreaking AI proposal that projects actors' digital likenesses. That, that is all the legalese or press release from the AMPTP. Yeah, that's what they want you to think they did. Yes. I mean, they may have done that, but it wasn't good enough because, yes. It pinned the blame for the work stoppage on SAG-AFTRA. SAG-AFTRA, meanwhile, President Fran Drescher, yes, the nanny herself, said that the two sides remained far apart on so many things. She said studios led poverty and criticized bloated payouts to top executives. On the artificial intelligence proposal by studios, he denounced the offer for paying background performers for one day of work in exchange for the rights to their digital likeness, quote, for the rest of eternity with no compensation. Dresher said that if we don't st stand tall now, we are all going to be in trouble. We are all going to be in jeopardy of being replaced by machines. So, And that was the big thing that came out this week, or yeah. this past week, was the background actors being digitally um, recorded mm -hmm. in order to be used for further productions basically $200 from one day of work yeah. but you could see your background self in multiple scenes for multiple days for multiple shoots but you and only get paid for the one time a lot of people were very quick to point out this is a, literally was a gag on Bojack Horseman mm -hmm. literally like <laughs> where like he's shooting something and they're like okay we need you to come over here and be in this truck for a while and he's like what and it's like no we need to digitize you so we can use you forever and not have to pay you <laughs> <laughs> in case you die. It's just like, oh my god. So yeah, of course they're evil. We'll talk about how evil they are a little later in the show. Yeah, um, but yeah, um, it's just, of course this is going to happen, and I'm glad that they 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 uh, committed to the strike. Um, yeah, this shuts down all productions. Um, just if anything was in the middle that involved using um, SAG or uh, AFTRA members, uh, it's just done. They have to wait. Uh, not just in Hollywood, but all around the world. Anyone we'll talk about who's the, a part of that? <laughs> right. We'll talk, talk about, about this la yeah, later. Yeah. But um, I was going to say, also, you can't. Uh, the That means actors in the SAG after cannot uh, appear at uh, premieres. They can't uh, do any promotion. So they couldn't be at Comic-Con, for example. They can't be on the red carpet for a premiere for a film. They can't even uh, be on social media promoting works that they've been right. a part of they can't promote anything so there are things they can do so in television there is certain programming that is part of the television code and that means that those are things that are outside of sag after guidelines that includes soap operas soap opera production does not stop game shows celebrities can still show up on game shows mm -hmm. variety programs so late night shows even though they're shut down for the writer strike. Oh, yeah. If in theory they weren't, they could still go on it. They just can't talk about their film. They would just go on and basically talk to Seth Myers about whatever the hell they want. Mm -hmm. uh, so that that is totally okay. They can still do radio appearances, again, in a non-promotional way. And yeah, they can just be on social media and all that stuff for other reasons. They just obviously can't promote any films or television shows that they're involved in. So um 
last thing I want to mention about the strike is, that's super important. So a lot of people have been talking about like, oh, well, I'm going to boycott Oppenheimer and Barbie because I want to support the actors and the writers. They've made it very clear. SAG-AFTRA is not calling for a boycott. In fact, they actually still want consumers to go see movies, still watch television shows on streamers, because that gives them ammunition and talks, because the popularity of their programs is just good for them as it is for the streamers. And so, no, they're not in any way calling for a boycott. Just so before you go and start to try to vote for your, with your wallet, don't worry about it. You're good. It's unfortunate that this has to happen, but we're going to put the blame where the blame should be placed. Yes, yes. The studios are being ridiculous with these contract negotiations. They need to come back to the table with a better deal or else this is just going to be how we live from now on, just watching repeats and and game shows. And if you don't believe us now, you'll believe us in about 30 minutes. <laughs> yes. When just we get wait. there. Just, just wait. wait. All right. So that's that story. Next, though, thankfully there is some TV that we're catching up on and yes. you're watching. Um, so let's talk about those shows. So I put a bunch of stuff on here. Did you watch any of this? I watched exactly one episode, the first episode of season two of The After Party. Yay! You watched Anik 2. Yes. The sequel. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about The After Party first then. Um, yes. I'm very curious to get your thoughts about this one. Was our favorite show of that year. It was. Yeah. It kind of saved us from pandemic blues in the beginning of 2021. Um, it was a nice breath of fresh air from two of our favorites, of course, Lord and Miller. Yep. Um, and yeah, we really had a good time with that first uh, first season. Uh, it's back. Some of the same cast returns, but the majority um, are a new ensemble. Um, what did you think about the new after party? I like the idea of taking the after party from a high school reunion, which was the plot of the first one, mm -hmm. to an after party of a wedding, which yeah. is the theme for this one. Um, and I, after the first episode... And especially after the second episode, I think I know what happened. Already? Wow. Yes. Uh, that's just because uh, there's no such thing as new media. <laughs> Everything is borrowed. What is yes. the, what's the quote that like, the, the art, 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 most art, all artists borrow, but the best artists steal or something yes. like that? Yes. <laughs> something <laughs> like that. You only steal the best parts. Everything is borrowed. Yeah. Um, so without spoiling too much, I'm going to say that this season takes heavy inspiration from, uh, the Agatha Christie novel and film Death on the Nile. Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's also because that was also a wedding party gone awry sure. and seeing kind of some of the similar key players from that book into this season. I wouldn't be surprised if that's where they took a lot of their inspiration from. Okay. Not saying that's exactly how the murder is going to play out, but that's where my inkling is first going here. Okay. Other than that, the actual production is really great. Uh, the second episode is a period piece. It's really hilarious it being a period piece when you have a helicopter appear in one scene. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because everyone's acting in a very period piece. Um, dramatic fashion and then like 
oh, by the way, we still have modern technology. Let me look at my smartwatch. <laughs> uh, but it's fun. It's interesting. I think there's uh, definitely something going on between um, the groom and the lizard, the gecko. But we'll see when that happens. Yeah, we'll see. I have inklings of what that could be. Mm. Uh, but so far, I'm, I'm, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the first two episodes. Uh, it does come every Wednesday. Uh, probably the next one's going to be more of a film noir, finish the blinds everywhere. <laughs> oh, interesting. A little bit of black and white mystery. Okay, all right. So I've only watched the first episode, and I feel like I need to just get a couple more under my belt because mm-hmm. I was not really feeling the vibe of episode one. I think that it kind of felt like it was moving up, moving in fits and starts for the first like 30 minutes where I was mm-hmm. like, all right, okay, do we really need to go back and forth between the genre premise and the, the, and what's happening in this conversation between Anik and, and the agent? Like, do we really need to do this? Tiffany Haddish. <laughs> yes, yeah, Tiffany Haddish's character. And I, I don't remember her character's name. Um, and then, yeah, and then we move into, once it moved into the, like, just, okay, now we're just doing the genre parody, I was okay. Mm-hmm. But, like, and, yeah, the mystery seemed immediately more complicated, I think, than the mystery from the first season. Like, you immediately, it wasn't so much as, the first season was neat, because that first episode was, like, oh, Here's just a series of things that happen, and all of them are going to matter, but you don't know that. You don't know they're going to matter. And right. that made the um, ensuing episodes better, because then you were like, oh, I didn't know that that mattered, that thing I saw. And maybe it's because this is the second time they're doing it. The whole time I was like, oh, well, it's obvious that that's going to matter. Oh, it's obvious that this is going to be matter in somebody else's perspective. I kept catching myself being like, seeing through the artifice and seeing into the bones of what they do on the after party and it kind of affected my enjoyment of it and like in season one i was able to just be like let it wash over me here i was thinking too much about the mechanics yeah that first episode is very much boilerplate here i'm going to set up all your main characters and main players because you know anik didn't do it whereas the first season right that's what the initial setup is anik woke up had this went upstairs, screamed, and then that's when everyone realized that um Franco was dead. Right. Dave Franco was dead. Yeah. Um Xavier. X. Right. Yeah. Xavier. Uh but the other thing that is is that I feel like just on a base level, the high school reunion angle is just more interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Like the wedding angle is interesting. And like like I said, as the series goes on and there's more stories and more angles of this of the scenario, maybe it'll be more interesting as it goes on. And I'm hoping that it does. But I feel like the the high school reunion stuff grabbed me immediately. This did and this did not. And so it was lacking a little bit of that for me. Is that, that because the first season was more of like friends getting seeing each other after 10 years and this is more of a family drama? Yeah, it's less interesting to me. It feels like they're trying to do like a more like succession style kind of approach. And I'm just like, this is not necessarily for me. It's not mm-hmm. as relatable also. Maybe that's potentially what it's going on. But um, but yeah, like I said, I'm willing to give it a try because I like what these guys do and I like the premise of the show. And I love that they're trying something different with it as opposed to just doing the same thing again. I, I wouldn't want them to do that either. But like, 
I'm gonna give it time to grow on me because he's, uh, that first episode just didn't didn't get its hooks in right away. Yeah, but that was also part of the fun of the after party is the different genres. Right. Yeah. From the it, from the multiple episodes. Yeah, and the rom com stuff was fun. The rom com mm-hmm. stuff in episode one was fun in a lot of cases. If at times a little like, all right, yeah, of course you have to do this. And, yes. Oh God, it was so. It's cringe-inducing watching any through that whole episode. Yes. <laughs> like, let's move off of him for a little bit. <laughs> like uh, I said, th- that first episode is your ground. It's your basis. Right, it's right. we know that he didn't do this, so let's get them out of the way and yeah. set up everything else. But yeah, looking forward to to continuing on him. Okay. Uh, so that is on Apple TV Plus. First two episodes are up right now. Weekly episodes every Wednesday. So let's go to Netflix then. Let's. Um, so last week, talked about two different shows coming back, or one show starting, one show coming back. Too Hot to Handle. It's back. It's trashy. It's fun. It yep. is summer fun of trash. Uh, once again, I feel like this show is very both in the zeitgeist and yet can also just be binged at the very end. <laughs> yes, as you love to call it, Sexless Island. Sexless Island, yes. yes. You got to handle, you come in here, and once again, they were able to dupe all these beautiful people into going to an island, Always. and you can't touch each other. But what do they do? They break the rules. It's like, come on. Of course they do. Well, yes, we've seen this for five seasons. We are for four seasons already. We know what to expect, and yet they do it anyways. And it's yep. always so satisfying just seeing, like, okay, so you're just going to be the <laughs> asshole villain of this yeah. series. Okay, I get it. <laughs> it's a reality show staple. Every reality show has one of those. It's like it's like the people who go on The Bachelorette to just say complain about. Well, I'm just appalled that she's like kissed somebody right after she kissed me. I'm like, dude, you're on The Bachelorette. <laughs> What do you think was going to happen? Oh, did you see the uh, the Golden Bachelor? <laughs> they, they, yes, they're doing a Seniors Bachelor. Yes, yes very 70, excited. I think they said it was seventy four years old. Yeah, I think we talked about it last week. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Oh boy, uh, that's gonna uh, be fun. Uh, I think Seniors is like fifties and sixties. No, they're going. No, 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 no. Seniors, Seniors, Seniors. They're really yeah. going for it. Yep. But anyway, Too Hot to Handle, season five, it's back. If you've never watched Too Hot to Handle, you got four seasons to binge on. They're there. They're on Netflix. Uh, enjoy to your trashy heart content. Yeah, something like that. Uh, other but show that... also watched. Yes. Uh, getting Ready for Football Season. Uh, getting Ready by looking back at the past season in the quarterback position as yes. Netflix's newest sports documentary. Quarterback. Yes. The creatively titled quarterback. Yes. Uh, <laughs> follows three quarterbacks in the NFL. Wait. Hold on. You're telling me that the show called Quarterback actually follows three quarterbacks? Yes, not just one. Three of them. Although you think with the name like Quarterback, you'd follow four quarterbacks. That's like those places that just have burrito on the outside. And you're like, well, there's more than one burrito in there. I know, because it's not like I'm going to miss when they sell that one burrito. Like, I came here to watch one quarterback. Oh, you, are you missing the S in the title? Yeah, it's just called quarterbacks. Oh, see, I thought you were talking about, like, how they follow three and not four, because quarterbacks. Embarrassing. 
on the nose. It's I'm right there. Follow four. Follow four. It's right there in the name. Quarter back. Quarter. I'm quarter. Add my quarter, own quarter. S. I'm adding my own S to the Chiron. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, uh, quarterback follows um three aptly titled named positions <laughs> of Marcus Mariota. Okay. Captain Kirk Cousins. And Super Bowl MVP winner and Tom Brady's son, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> yes. Don't look uh, at me. You've got a girl, Mahomes. Yep. Uh, take your Mahomes out of here. Yeah. <laughs> me and my Mahomes. Uh, number one NFL or fantasy football quarterback off the boards in the first round, second round, if you're lucky. Mm -hmm. uh, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Super Bowl is those three. Um, I really liked the first episode because it showed everything preseason leading up to the start, like their home life, like how they are away from the field. There wasn't a lot, whole lot of like, here I am on the field, taking hit after hit, throwing the ball, making passes, making yeah. decisions. It's here I am with the day-to-day -day grind. Here I am being a family man. Here I am trying to get my body in shape. Here's what I do that you don't see yeah. in, in the, in the day-to-day -day Sunday, um, Sunday, I will say Sunday episodes in the Sunday games that, <laughs> uh, that they play. <laughs> that first episode is everything to do behind the scenes. But then because Netflix made a deal with the NFL to show NFL films, uh, uh and gameplay highlights in the episodes, that's what they decided to do. And that's where they kind of lean into the next following episodes where they break it up into chunks of the season, uh, into the different quarter quarters on a four-week basis and show how each quarterback does in every game throughout the season. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, I already know how this is going to play out. I already watched this. Season. This is nothing new to me. Uh, it's not like watching Breakpoint where I don't really follow tennis. So this is me watching it for the first time. Right. Uh, this is me knowing what's going to happen already. What's going to happen with the dramatic points. Uh, like there's one point where um, the Vikings and Kirk Cousins had a dramatic comeback and they play up the tension in the <laughs> game. But I'm sitting there like, but I already know what happens. <laughs> like, yeah, you're going to play like he's playing down, but I know they're going to come back and win the game on uh, NFL bullshit and yeah. sure enough like they play it up in case you hadn't watched uh, the game or you hadn't watched highlights of it or you right. know red zone yeah I was going to say it's a really interesting comparison you could make here with hard knocks because hard knocks happens at some point in the series in real time roughly because you're able to see things pre them prepping for things that have not happened yet and then you get to see them react to things that did happen and so it seems like maybe what you're missing from this is that tension that something like hard knocks offers yeah that's the good thing about hard knocks is that yeah. each production is on a weekly basis they right. film throughout the entire week of training camp leading up to the exhibition pre preseason game and then decide after the game where they show the highlights like okay Here's what this person did. Like we like what this person did. We like let this right. person. Did. We're gonna let this person go because of the game, that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's a good thing about Hard Knocks is that it's actually like 
two days after them playing or three days after them playing that you see the result. This is a whole year, essentially, after them playing. And they did drop all eight episodes on Netflix, so you can binge watch them. You don't have to watch them uh, on a weekly basis. But at the same time, because we know what happens, and you do have one of these quarterbacks winning the Super Bowl, yeah. it will show you all that progress. It's just by the time you get to the end, how much Patrick Mahomes video can you take? Because he's the only <laughs> one who goes all the way. Right, yeah. Because at some point, it's going to stop showing Kirk Cousins and Marcus Mariota. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless they're going to show them, like, at home. <laughs> like, oh, no, they, they, they show the home life. Uh, and they kind of, like, they try and, uh, like, pin each episode around one certain thing. Like, one episode was around the theme of homecoming and how each different player had a different type of homecoming for a yeah. week where, um, like, Patrick Mahomes went to his college because uh, they were playing in the area. So he went to his col- old, uh, college at uh, Texas Tech That's fine. For, for a weekend. And then Marcus Mariota because they were on the West Coast uh, and then playing Seattle that they practice in Washington. And that's his homecoming for his college, even though he played in Oregon and there were rivals to Washington, but they kind of loosely based on it. And then <laughs> like Kirk Cousins, his homecoming was playing back at FedEx Field where he was playing against the commanders for the first time and first time playing in that stadium since being traded to um, the Vikings. So it's interesting and kind of, cool how they weave those kind of like plot points in and tie them all is like they're like doing kind of the same things mm-hmm. just in different aspects of it and i think that's really cool but that's about the extent of it being a cool interesting fact yeah okay yeah i mean it's just a different thing i don't want to say it's doing the same thing as hard knocks but i feel like there's so much crossover mm-hmm. there that like yeah like i just feel like it's a more interesting idea to have it in process in in progress i think and so yeah because if you already know you already know but do you think there's anything here really for people who are not into football there's a lot of post-game interviews and it feels like post-month interviews uh-huh. where they're showing them like hey like we're going to talk about this week um like we're talking about week two here we are two weeks post-season so you can talk about like what your mindset was and like how you kind of felt throughout the game giving you so we can put that voiceover to the game footage. Yeah. Uh, instead of it being like a fresh, like we're going to interview after, like we're going to interview you two days after the game. So we get it fresh, what you're thinking. It does feel like there is a very distant relationship between what's happening in the game that they show and the interview that they're giving for it. Yeah. Which is just the reality of how long it takes to make a documentary series like this. Yes. It also does feel like at some point they got tired in the editing process of (laughs) how much training and ice baths and like studying can we show (laughs) and get bored of? And Mm -hmm. how quickly can we get back to the NFL highlights that we are paying for to (laughs) show? Because we're paying the NFL to show these highlights and we want to make sure we show the (laughs) highlights from the NFL. Yeah. Well, so there you go. That's quarterback. Yep. What else do we got? Lastly, on Netflix, a new anime uh, called Zom 100. Bucket list of the dead. I'm glad you said this was an anime because when I saw it on the list, I thought this was in the same lineage as what was that body body 100? Bodies. 
something 100. Oh, physical 100. Yeah, physical 100. What was the other one that was 100 that was also like a reality competition? Uh, There was the 100 on the CW. No, no, never mind. Anyways, okay, I was thinking, I was probably just thinking of physical 100. Physical 100. I thought this was like that, except for zombies. Oh, because it said Bucketless of the Dead. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, no, this is an anime, you say. Yes, it's an anime on Netflix called Zong 100. Uh, basic premise is a 20-something, works at a job in Japan, and he is dead tired that he himself starts yeah. acting like a zombie, being only able to go into the office and work, go home, sleep, very little time to eating, people bragging about like how much overtime they're working, how much they devote their life to the company, and he just feels like a zombie, and he feels like everyone around him is a zombie. Mm-hmm. Until an actual zombie outbreak happens, and oh. he feels like, wait, there's an actual zombie outbreak. My boss turned to a zombie. I don't have to go to work anymore. <laughs> Screw going to work. I am finally going to live my life. So he grabs a notebook and a pen and writes out 100 things that he wishes to do before basically dying to a zombie apocalypse. Sure. Okay. That's the basic premise of Zom 100, is that he's making a bucket list of items that he wants to do in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. Bucket list uh, animation is having quite a renaissance right now. What's the other one? Haley's on it. Oh, Haley's on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not really a bucket list. That's yeah, a, it's the form and function of a bucket list. She's I mean, just not yes, dying. It's a, yes. I mean, she's trying to save the world. But yeah. Uh, so he creates a list, and that's kind of where it takes off from there, is him just doing random stuff that just to, like, hey, live a little while everyone else from you is literally dying. Right. Uh, but yeah, that's the basic premise. It's on Netflix. Uh, the first two episodes are up. It's kind of funny. It's quirky. It's got some really, really colorful animation. I don't know if that's because they don't want to show like actual blood, okay. but they use a lot of color stylized blood and uh, interesting zombie techniques. But more or less, that's what you're getting. So if you like zombies, you like lists, and you like bucket lists, <laughs> Zom 100, Bucket List of the Dead. All right. Well, there you go. And then lastly, oh boy. Okay, all right. He's taking a sip to prepare to talk about this business. I remember when we first started this podcast, and I remember you, I feel like way, way back when you talked on this show about Project Greenlight. Yeah, I feel like it was also recently, earlier this year, that we talked about how Project Greenlight was going to make a comeback. Yeah. With Issa Rae um, as one of the executive producers. Well, she's here. Uh, alongside uh, Kumail Nanjiani mm-hmm. as the one of the producers slash mentor uh, for Project Greenlight. And this past week, they had a dual premiere. Both Project Greenlight and the movie Grey Matter premiered on HBO Max. So you can watch the movie and then Project Greenlight or Project Greenlight and then the movie. Uh-huh. Guess which one I did. You watched Project Greenlight first? Yes, I did. Yes, you did. Of course you did. Of course I did. You want to see how the... Sausage gets made. Yeah, the sausage gets made. I was going to say like the muffin gets made or something. (laughs) I couldn't think of the metaphor. 
But yes, you want to see how it happened. Yes. So all ten up are ten. Yeah, all ten episodes are up on HBO Max. You can watch the entire production of Project Greenlight and how it goes from script or from yeah from script to choosing a director to editing said script, uh, getting production, choosing actors, studio interference on which actors you want to use. Of course, because HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like all the whole process of to get to an actual film, which is Grey Matter, and it is available on HBO Max for you to watch. Okay. I wish they would have chosen someone better for a director. Oh no. I wish they would have chosen someone more outgoing, someone with more of an idea, someone with more of a plan, someone more boisterous than the person who shot it really, really well. Okay. Huh. Interesting. Because that's what they went for. They went with the auteur who had the more artistic eye mm-hmm. and not the person who had the pinpoint ideas of exactly what they wanted to do. Also, for the first time in Project Greenlight's history, they had or they chose a women director. Okay. A woman of color director for the first time ever. Uh, that was part of uh, Issa Rae's, I want to say mandate but part of it was we want to give a shot a a five million dollar budget movie to someone like that uh because yeah. it's not very common in the film industry right so and that's what project real life is it's about giving someone their shot at being a director yeah and in the four years that project real life has existed it's always gone to a white man so it's cool to see that um that take, but I it's also kind of wish they chose one of the other people who was more um outgoing, was more assertive, especially in what they've showed in their interview process, rather than the person who had a really, really good demo reel and a really, really good um scene. Mm-hmm. Like the directing choices of the one scene that they all had to shoot was really well done but in the interview process that followed they didn't have kind of like the voice or the the power behind them but they still chose them anyways yeah i think what you're getting at is that there's like i guess it depends on who you are whether what what traits you believe a great director needs to mm-hmm. have like yeah an eye for for detail a artistic um feel for, you know, the vibe of a scene and how to best approach it visually. That's important, but what you're arguing is it's beyond that. Being a director is not just what's on screen. It's also a job where you have to be interpersonal. You have to interact with your cast, your writers, your everybody. You the, are the like the center of the, the universe. You are the sun and they all orbit around you and they have to like, you have to be able to talk to them about yes. what you want you have to be a good communicator as much you have as you to are be able eye. you have to be able to communicate your vision you have to be able to communicate what is wrong with the yeah. script do you think this person maybe has a future as a cinematographer uh yes well they've done uh cinematography and they've shot music videos that makes sense uh, mostly that with like sense. doja cat uh, more okay. recently um so they have experience like directing people or mm-hmm. direct and directing actors, but 
music videos where you can pretty much go off script as much as you want. Right. Sticking to a script of a film saying, we want you to use this script, which I also think is a problem with this, is that mm. the director did not come with a script and even any of the script notes that they read it, they reviewed it, but they didn't add any of their own kind of spin to it. Well, is Project Greenlight a different show if they start doing no, bring us fully fleshed out scripts that you want to also direct? No, but it is interesting when a person comes in saying that they are a writer-director yeah. and then cannot punch up a script to make it better. Right. That's the thing is I feel like it adds a layer of complexity to the concept then. Mm -hmm. And the show becomes something else. Right, no, it's writing. saying, hey, we like this script. We want to greenlight yeah. the script. We need to find a director for the script. Yeah, that, that, that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. So they went with somebody who could follow that premise, you yes. could say. But they also like should be able to inject their yeah. own ideas and be able to find out and fix a script, especially if they yeah. promote themselves as a writer-director. Okay. And not spend two weeks reviewing a script and come back with minimal changes of like a couple lines of dialogue and not like full on, I want to change this scene here because it'll impact this later scene or if we want to make this this future scene the third act more impactful you need to add this scene here yeah. in the first act yeah i mean it's a collaborative process and it goes back to that communication it goes back to willing to collaborate with your writer or other people involved in the production and that's, and, what, that's the great thing about project greenlight is that it shows all that uh, both yeah. the willingness to collaborate and the unwillingness to collaborate and wanting to stick to your vision right uh okay. which brings us to the actual <laughs> film gray matter yeah. like i said available on hbo max now it is short <laughs> it is uh just over 80 minutes okay it's very short it doesn't even hit the 90 minute mark uh, it is also a very small movie it's a very personal movie too it's a mother-daughter relationship who have mm -hmm psychic powers because they specifically wanted to do a superhero trope film mm -hmm. without stepping into the superhero like genre right so it's a mother-daughter relationship who have psychic powers and the daughter gets kidnapped by a, another person with psychic powers uh, and is held against their will at an institution it's up to the mom to break out and for the daughter to fulfill her powers within her. Okay. That's your basic premise for Grey Matter. And while it, it is definitely shot great, <laughs> I definitely like the cinematography. I definitely like the colors and the light work in it. I do think a lot of the problems in it stem from the script and not being able to find that balance between a mother-daughter relationship and a coming-of-age story. Mm-hmm. And there's also a lot of issues with establishing the rules of your universe, especially doing it very early on, and especially in a when you're dealing with psychic powers. Like, what is the limit of the psychic powers, and what is the maximum? What what what, what what's the basic of the psychic powers? What's the maximum? What's your drawbacks, and how do they access it? Okay. If it's just a like a muscle exercise, how do you show that? And I feel that kind of 
a montage, but that kind of training sequence, while it is there, is very minimal and doesn't show the overall growth of the main character. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that could have been played out better. And something that they could have cut out was a uh, dreamlike sequence where like things happen in the mind. So it's not nothing that can physically hurt harm you, but at the same time, it's meant to show like all the chaos that's going on within these within uh the uh 15 year old. Okay. But also like how she sees the dynamic between her and her mom. That if you're gonna have that, have it be better. Have it be better portrayed. <laughs> then here I am oh. in my own notes. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you're giving notes to the noteless. Yes. Um I mean, yeah, I mean that's the thing about Project Greenlight, right? Is it's like it's not ever going to be a perfect incubator for a movie. It's mm-hmm. by de- definition always going to be a flawed thing that you're putting out into the world because you created it via reality show. Right. Uh, that was actually one of the other things too, is that the reality camera crew yeah. kept butting heads with the film crew for Grey Matter. Yeah. That it's never gonna be ideal. And so yeah, like all you can hope for is that like the idea came together enough where the movie was watchable. So little wins. The little wins matter. Yeah, there's definitely ideas there. There's definitely, like I said, it's definitely shot really good. There's definitely a good eye there. There are definitely scenes that showcase like this is a good directing um choices, good directing action. Mm-hmm. But the overall story, especially when you're dealing with psychic powers, can easily get away from you if you're not able to contain oh, yeah. it. It's tricky. It's a tricky line to walk. But uh all right, so there you go. So you can watch either the movie or the Project Greenlight process of the movie on yes. HBO on Max. I almost yes. said HBO Max. I think I say HBO Max a couple times there. It's like writing the wrong date on a check. Um, let's well, move no, on. I think this is more like uh, writing your ex's name on a <laughs> birthday card. Embarrassing. <laughs> That's right, why you name on. her the same. What? Yeah, you get the no. same girl. No. Yes, you get right. the same name. That way you don't make name. the mistake. Anyways, let's move on. That's it for television. That's it. We're canceling everything. It's all done. Uh, no, um, that's it for what we've been watching on television. Let's move on to cancellations and renewals, shall right, What we? am I no longer watching? You're no longer watching the show called Sky High, as it has been canceled on Netflix, not to be confused with the Disney film with the same name. Mm-hmm. And then what you will continue to watch is HBO is renewed. We are here for a fourth season. They're still here. And Netflix is bringing back to 15 for a third season. So there you go. We have one death to talk about real quick here. Daniel Goldberg, age 74, producer and screenwriter, worked on Hangover, Stripes, and Space Jam, among others. Uh, He was the screenwriter for Stripes and then a producer for Hangover and Space Jam. There you go. That makes sense between Stripes and Space Jam, the Bill Murray connection. Yep. So he was right the there. producer that um, had the teamster give him a ride uh, to the game. That, that, <laughs> okay, there you go. All right. Let's move on into movies. And we always start the movie section with the weekend box office numbers. All right. How did Tom Cruise do? He's still on top, believe it or not, with Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Making another fifty-four million dollars, so that's at seventy-eight million. 
That is, it's it's 58 in its first weekend, 78 because it opened on Wednesday. And I did read that globally it has already broken even. Yep, so. because Tom Cruise doesn't play to the home audience anymore. No, he's an international superstar. And when Mission Impossible has international um, locations. That's on purpose, baby. Yeah, it is. All right. <laughs> that's not, uh, that's not uh, Adam Sandler no. going on taking a vacation there. No, he's there to work. Right. And run <laughs> through the city. Yeah. Running, running, running. Kevin James, you're not invited. <laughs> All right. Number two, Sound of Freedom, $27 million at number two. $85 million so far domestic for that one. Number three, Insidious, The Red Door, $13 million this week. That's at 58. Number four, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny with another $12 million. That's at 145 Still far away from making any money. And number five, Elemental, $9 million this week with 125 I feel like it crept back up to where it needs to be. I think that it ended it's up being going. okay. I feel yeah. like they're purposely holding it off on Disney Plus until it drops out of the top five, yeah. which will be this upcoming weekend. Well, yeah, I saw a thing that was like, it's been uploaded to the Disney Plus servers. I'm like, what does that even mean, guys? If I can't watch it, what's the point of this headline? It means it's coming next month. That's all it means. Yeah, that's all it means to us. All right. So that's the weekend box office upcoming this week. Do I even need to tell you? It's all <laughs> anybody's been able to talk about for the last six months. Are you kidding me? You're either gonna it's finally see, here. You're either gonna see Barbie or you're either gonna see Oppenheimer or you're gonna see a double feature of Barbie and then Barbie. I'm sorry, there are no other options. <laughs> Barbenheimer weekend is upon us. I kid, yes, of course. You can see both of them if you want. Oh, and also technically, uh, the Haunted Mansion is out. Yeah, this and week. <laughs> I, I want to say that. Wait, is that this week or is that next week? You have but, it written in 720 here. Oh, that might be That, that might, might be, be a week. typo? Okay. Yeah, that's All probably right. next week. Never mind, that's next week. So don't worry about Haunted Mansion. Yes. Um, just focus in on those Barbie tickets that you, I mean, sorry, those Oppenheimer tickets that you've been trying so hard to get. Yes, those 70 millimeter print IMAX yes. tickets. Only in like 30 cities in the U.S. I guess you can see them both in the same day. I wouldn't recommend it, but I guess you can uh, if you really want to. Um, Just tonal whiplash. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, you will not, we will not be able to talk about these films next week. Um, um, depending on when we record. Yeah, depending on when we record. Um, so we will get back to you next week if we do suddenly have thoughts about Barbie or Oppenheimer. We will let you know. In the meantime, those are your new releases. In the meantime, speaking of Oppenheimer, they yeah, have a premiere. Breaking Oppenheimer news. Well, not really breaking. This happened a few days ago. Uh, but yes, the London carpet, red carpet, that is, for Christopher Nolan's atomic bomb thriller kicked off just before 5 p.m. local time on the day of the premiere. It was even pushed up an hour to allow the cast to attend the event because, I don't know if you know this, there were some things happening in the background. Christopher Nolan confirmed before the beginning of the screening that the cast had left in solidarity with the SAG after strike. The cast was expected to attend screenings of the film following the red carpet, but instead left the event once the strike was made official at exactly 8 p.m. local time. According to the guidelines, SAG after members will not be able to attend premieres, do interviews for completed work, go to award shows, attend film festivals, or even promote projects on social media while the strike is in effect. They are also not allowed to contend, 
conventions such as Comic-Con or 90s Con, which I just learned existed, to promote any past or present work made under a SAG after contact. We already talked about all that, but basically this just gives you a visual of this in in action. Mm -hmm. A live minute-by-minute action of, hey, we're here, we're promoting it, we're still under SAG after, and and then right at 8pm, they called for the strike, they said we did not make a deal, so 8 p.m. local time uh, was 12 o'clock midnight, I want to say, or was it p.m. local time? I don't yeah, know where this occurred, so I don't know. Well, it's London, which is zero, zero, so 8 plus 8 minus 8, I don't know. I forget which way that math. Way goes. Math. Too much math. Uh, but yeah, an uh, eight-hour difference, so when they called for a strike, it made it official. They could not attend the premiere any longer. I think that would be 12... A.M. 12 p.m. That's p.m. Yeah, so 12 p.m. noon would be the day. So mm-hmm. uh, West Coast time. There you go. Plus minus eight hours. <laughs> we figured it out. Did math. I got there. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Other... So this is the, this is what it's gonna look like, though. Yeah. Well, is it? So I wanted to mention this. You don't have this here, but I wanted to mention yes. this in case you were wondering what a movie premiere would look like when the strike is in effect. Boy, howdy, do I have news for you. The Disney premiere of Haunted Mansion was interesting this week, as Disney, since they can't send the stars of the film, Mm -hmm. sent costumed characters of their lovely IP um, to the red carpet instead. So we had Mickey and Minnie uh, walking the red carpet instead of the actual stars. (laughs) So there's Disney's at least creative solution uh, to the problem. And sending ghosts down the line. Yes, because it fits for Haunted Mansion when you really think about it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that that's a little preview for what you should expect going forward. Uh, All yeah, right. like producers and studios execs can still walk the carpet; they can still talk about it, but you won't get actors, and you still won't get any writers on it. No, and you won't want to see those studio heads because, oh boy, they don't like you. Let's talk about it. So, while the actors are getting all the headlines this week, the writer strike is still in effect, and this actually occurred before uh, the the actors' strike uh, was finalized. Um, studios have been talking some mad shit. The APTP released a statement: "Quote: The studios have no intention of sitting down with the writers' guild for several more months." Unquote. Warner Brothers Discovery, Apple. Netflix, Amazon, Disney, Paramount, and the others, and the rest. And the rest. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Have become determined to, quote, break the WGA, as one studio exec so charmingly put it. (laughs) The APMPTP, it's an awful acronym and I hate saying it, believes that by October, most writers will be, quote, running out of money after five months on the picket lines and no work. The end game is to allow things to drag on until union members start losing their apartments and losing their houses, one studio executive told Deadline. Off the record, of course, because he doesn't want somebody, I don't know, burning down his mansion. (laughs) Acknowledging the cold-as-ice approach, several other sources reiterated the statement. One insider called it a cruel but necessary evil. This is who they're dealing with. (laughs) people this is the kind of 
person. Yeah. This kind of the kind of person that we're facing. And it's why the industry is the way it is, is because there's this fundamental disconnect between the company's bottom line, what the shareholders want, and the day-to-day daily lives of the people who are actually doing the labor part of the of the business. It's just there is no nothing in between those two things for these execs. They only see this. They only see this little square that they live in. And they don't see anything. They just see those little ants down there. They're like a plane. And they're seeing like the ants on the ground. And they're just seeing them as little ants that they could squish if they want. It's like, oh, there's too many ants down there. I'm going to squish them. Oh, those ants aren't going the way that I want them to go. I'm just going to put this piece of food over here and direct the, direct the ant line this way. Not knowing that those ants down there are struggling every single second to try to get that food. It's a bad metaphor, I know. But you know what I mean. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say is that they're so disconnected from what a daily like what an actual person with a let's be real if they're a writer like a average income job like does like if you're writing for like or even a below average income because these yeah. are contract based right and if you're not writing for a hit show or one of the big shows i mean we just went through emmy nominations and yeah. there's hundreds upon thousands of shows across multiple streamers that get released every year and only a handful make it to Emmys to be nominated. Yeah. But you still need writers on everything else. Yeah, it's just... Like, here's another example. I saw this week that apparently one of the studios, and I wish I could remember which one it was, they literally trimmed the trees outside of the business this week because that's where the picket lines were forming. So that way now they'll be lined up and they have no shade. Yep. It's just embarrassing villain level shit that these guys are doing and it's just like come on they're doing come everything on. they can to break the writer spirit and it's essentially not... to break the union but it's not gonna work we know that mm-hmm. because like it's not like they can't do anything like there's other things they can do I don't know it's just it's just embarrassing and it's ridiculous and I hope eventually they figure this shit out because this can't last forever and they are going to have I don't know what the, the hell the studios are going to do all of a sudden when they ran out like run out of reality show possibilities or if nobody or if people just stop watching reality shows well, or as shows. you mentioned they can still create game shows as much as they want oh yeah they can but they're diminishing returns folks Diminishing returns. Wipeout 3.0. Oh, God, no. American Gladiators 5.1. Oh, boy. Anyway, so look forward to that. And that. Gordon Ramsay in your home. Oh, God. Where? (laughs) He's here? Oh, no. Don't yell at me, please. Gordon. All right. That's it. That's it for movie news. That's it for this podcast. Uh, Yeah, like I said, uh, the movie I watched was Grey Matter, but I talked about it in TV. I met um, but yeah, um, I may or may not get to Oppenheimer on yeah. Thursday for the premiere, waiting on pins and needles for other stuff to happen. Yeah. So watch this and space. for other stuff to happen. Right. Watch this space for Boppenheimer or Oppenheimy. That's Barbenheimer. Come on. Barbenheimer. I hate it. All right. I'm, I'm just done. I'm done with all this. I need it to be over now. Please all be right. over. Two more well, weeks. <laughs> one more, two week. more weeks two more weeks two more two weeks. weeks it'll be at least another week of people talking about them yes so and then two, two football weeks. season 
Anyway, all right. Thank you for joining us on this podcast, the Media Vote Podcast, in case you're wondering what podcasting talking about. Uh, we'll be back next week for another episode. If you want to see it in video form, check out our YouTube channel. We're youtube.com slash, no, we're not. YouTube.com and search Media Vote, and you'll find our channel. Like, subscribe, leave us a message. Whatever you want to do with it. I don't know. Click the bell for notifications when and if we ever go live again. You can also find us in audio form on podcast services like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, you name it, we got it. You just search Media Boat Podcasts on any of those things and you'll find us, probably. We're also on the IMDB, uh, not us, but if you, yeah, I think we've talked about this before, but yeah, if you, our podcast is on IMDB. It not, is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I sent this to, to Christy yesterday. Um, the Media Vote podcast is available to search on IMDb, and you can find a list of episodes. There's no other information. <laughs> no information about who's in it. No information about what's discussed in the show. Just the episode titles each have their own webpage. Well, they got the year right since 2016. Yeah, there, Yes. Episode guide 451. Isn't that fun? Do we have to subscribe to IMDb Pro to fill out everything? I don't know. You should look that up. You should find that out. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that either. So (laughs) you should find that out. All right. Anyway. Release date, January 2nd, 2016. It's got the date right even. It's got the date right. What is this? So that's a fun fact for you. I thought you knew this already. I thought we talked about it. Maybe I didn't create the page. Maybe I was listening to a podcast that where they also had this moment where they found out they were on IMDb. And then you know. looked up up. Yeah, so maybe. Yeah, but we're on IMDb. We're famous now, except our names aren't there. Well, I, I can contribute to this page and help fill, gap, fill gaps in their well, data. There you go. You can do that. Then you, you have fun with that. Anyways, <laughs> in the meantime uh yeah uh so you can find us on all those stuff and yeah you can ask us questions uh give us comments feedback about the show anything you want to do mediabookpodcast at gmail.com is that email address and if you ask us a question we'll read it live on this show so do that right oh and twitch.tv slash mediaboat is where you can watch us stream some things Uh, i'm sure mike will be wrapping up final fantasy 16 on stream very soon at some point, yes. Assuming I don't get sidetracked and do yeah. all the uh, side quests yeah. to do everything before the final boss, because I yeah. want that ultimate weapon. <laughs> don't we all? Don't and we then all. Thursday, if the servers aren't smashed, maybe I'll stream some Diablo 4 for season one. I'll roll a new character and see how that works out for me. In the meantime, thanks for joining us, and we'll be back next time. See y'all. Have a good week. We'll be back next week with more news, more thoughts. Maybe Oppenheimer, maybe Barbie. We don't know. Who can say? We'll see. But at least it'll be more of us. Yep. Okay, bye. Bye.